Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Today we'll be in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. The title of this sermon is, We Were By Nature Children of Wrath. Here is the first half of this two-part study. Why were you dead? In verse 1. In verse 2, walked as sons of disobedience. In verse 3, we're by nature children of wrath. We're by nature children of wrath, and that's where we got our title from. So last week, we, we finished the beautiful prayer from the Apostle Paul uh, as he's writing to the church of Ephesus. And remember I told y'all, this is a circulatory letter that Paul wrote, and so when he's writing to the church of Ephesus, he's writing to all the churches, including the church here in Divine. And it's a reminder to us as he talks about the revelation and the wisdom uh, that the Spirit gives on Jesus Christ. Now he's going to talk about who you were. And, and it's a reminder. I mean, at the end of the day, we, we are blessed to, to know God's grace. Um, and, and, and it's, you know, the, the grace of God is God's unmerited favor. And, and so what we're going to look at today is, is our life prior to Christ. Now, if you haven't chosen to follow Christ, this, this is your life now. And, and it's hard. I remember, you know, as coming to these scriptures, these are, this is, I've told you all this, is, it's very important that you understand when you come to scriptures that you know very well, you need to be careful. Because what will happen is you'll check out. Well, I already know this. And you're sitting there doodling on your papers, you know. And it's like, no, you need to, there's stuff for you to learn. Uh, Reuben was telling me he's been reading this over and over and over as he gets ready to teach the youth and that just things are just popping out and clicking. And, and that's what you want is you want the Holy Spirit to, to show you, hey, you know, if, if I'm moving back towards walking like the dead, then I need to check myself and ask God, I'm like, God, you need to help me get back on track. I need to confess my sins and repent. So the first point we're going to look at is why were you dead? In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. So how were we made alive? We're made alive through, through Christ by the death and burial and resurrection because he lives, because he is risen. We're fixing to come into Easter season. He is risen indeed. Uh, because he lives, we live by faith. We're made alive by Christ. In John 17, 3, it says, In this eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. What we see is, is a lot of people don't understand in this world today is that you're, 
you're, you're looking at things through two roads, whether it's death and life, whether it's the, the wide road or the narrow road, whether it's heaven or hell. You have to make a choice, and the only way to Jesus Christ is the narrow gate. There's no other way. There's no other roads. And, it, and it's, we see that being taught all the time. But there is no other way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He says you were dead. And that actually means a, a corpse. You're spiritually dead. And the, way that, that the easiest way to remember that is think about Lazarus. Lazarus was spiritually dead. He was, he was dead dead, right? And what was happening outside the tomb? They were mourning. Guess what? People's lives were continuing to go on. Even Jesus. He didn't run to go get Lazarus. Lazarus was dead. And, and the word that's being used here is that you are spiritually dead. You cannot appreciate spiritual things. You, you cannot possess spiritual things. Because you're dead spiritually. Only by faith in Christ can we be made alive. And when the physical body dies, it loses its ability to respond to the physical world. So in the spiritual sense, it is the perfect illustration of those who do not know the Lord. When your physical body comes to an end in this world, if you have not chosen to follow Christ, it's too late. Everybody thinks, well, I'll get to it later. You may get hit by a bus later. You don't know. Or you think, you know what, I want to enjoy my 30s. Right? Let me, I'm going to enjoy this. I'll get to it in my 40s. You may not make it to your 40s. Once your physical body comes to cease, I, I mean, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You'll know then, but you can't go, oh, now I believe. That's not how it's going to work. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, And you being dead in your trespasses, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. So you have spiritual death. Spiritual death is a separation of the Spirit from God. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 12, it says, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I think there's probably the most simplistic piece of Scripture there. If you have Jesus, you have life. If you don't, you don't have life. You're spiritually dead. There's the physical death. That's the separation of the soul from the body. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 21 and 22, says, For since by, the, uh, by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die... Even so, in Christ, all shall be made alive. And, and if anybody's not told you, one out of one person dies. We all will die. There's nothing you can do. There's no science that can happen. We all will die because of Adam's sin. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it says, And it is appointed for men to die once, but after this judgment... See, there's something that people don't understand is there's two different types of judgment. There is the great white throne of judgment for those who chose not to follow Christ. And then there is the Bema seat of judgment. And it's based upon the works that you did for Christ. 
And we know that through 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, it says, For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. But for those who have chosen not to follow Christ, in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15, it says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from uh, whose facet the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works. You know, I think a lot of times people think, well, I read that and I go, according to my works. Your work is what? Sin. All it takes is one sin. You can't pay the debt. You think about your life. Do you remember your first sin? Oh, I remember lying to my dad. Now, I probably did some stuff before that because I've seen my four-year-old granddaughter. She'll cheat when you're playing games and stuff. I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you looking at the... Nobody taught her that. She just does it. But I can remember lying to my father. It just takes one sin. And it says, And the dead were judged according to the works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to the works, to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire, the second death, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And then there's finally eternal death. And that eternal death is separation from the soul from the presence of God. And that's in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9. Uh, These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. And then Revelation 20, 14, The death in Hades were cast into the lake of fire, and this is the second death. So why are we dead? Well, we're dead because of our trespasses and sins. And, and the word for, for trespasses is a unique word in the Greek. It actually means to fall short, right? To fall short, but it is the, to the point where you've, you're going on spring break. You know you're going to Corpus. You're going to pack everything up. You got all the stuff that you need. And no matter how, be, how, how good your plans are, you fall short of making the goal every time. That's what trespasses mean. And, and, and you think about that just for a second. Like, you may have decided, I'm going to be the best husband, the best father. And you've set your, your goal and your plan for that. But by year one, it failed. We struggle. And, and our trespasses are, are something that, uh, that we all struggle with when we're not walking with God. In Isaiah 59, 2, it says, But your iniquities have separated you from God, and your sins have hidden His face from you, so that He will not hear. And then what we see is it's the other thing that makes us dead is sin. And we know that from, you know, growing up in church, or you may have heard it said before that sin is missing the mark. You can have a thousand arrows, you can have a million arrows, and if you're in sin, you'll never hit the bullseye. You can't do it, no matter how hard you try. And, and when I read this, it reminded me of how hard I would try to do things in my own strength and not have God. I was spiritually dead. 
I hadn't chosen to follow Jesus. And I can remember trying to control all of my inner attitudes and my behaviors. And I had goals set. And I had plans set. And I would fail. I would always miss the mark. And it was because of that sin. In Titus chapter 3, 3, it says, For we ourselves were once all were once foolish, disobedience, deceiving, uh, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. And that's why we need to be careful because it's easy for us to point out someone else's sin. Christians have gotten very good at that. Like you can point somebody else's stuff out, but you don't want to look in the mirror at yourself. God's not told you to do that. Like he's wanting you to focus on because you look at the world where they're spiritually dead. There's a reason they're spiritually dead and we'll talk about that. But if you're following Christ, uh-uh, you need to deal with your sin. You need to be confessing your sin. You go, but wait a minute, I've been forgiven of my sin. But you still sin today. You still sin. That's why, you know, when, when, when he taught them how to pray, he taught them to, to ask for forgiveness. And, and that great acronym of acts, adoration, confession, right? Thanksgiving, then supplication when you pray. You have to confess. We're all born with a sin virus. In James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, it says, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it births to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Satan don't need to rewrite the book on you. He knows exactly how to tempt you. He knows your weaknesses. He knows how to try to get at you. But you need to catch it while it's a temptation and not let it give birth. Then it becomes full grown. And it doesn't matter. I mean, even us as we serve Christ, it's all filthy rags because we still struggle with sin. But you know why I can, I can live this life? I understand the cost of the sin now. I didn't understand that when I was spiritually dead. I never truly understood why Christ hung on the cross. It wasn't until I started reading the Bible and I went, oh, that's why he died for our sins. I would go into the Catholic church and I would see Christ on the cross and I'm like, I thought he was resurrected. And I wasn't trying to be smart. I was a kid. I was trying to figure it out. But the reality of it is, is that we need to be, even as believers, need to be dealing with our sin. Because when you're in sin, you're going to miss the mark. When you're in sin, you're not going to be the parent that you need to be, or the husband you need to be, or the wife you need to be. Because you're struggling in sin. You're missing the mark. When we see why they were dead. Let's look at why they walked as sons of disobedience. In verse 2 it says, In which you once walked according... To the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of, this, uh, of the air, uh, the, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So he's saying you once walked. This was the way that you used to conduct your life. This was you. This was me. Before Christ. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 21, it says, And you who were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which, uh, which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with longsuffering, bearing with one another, in love and endeavoring to keep the unity in the Spirit and the bond of peace. 
I think one of the biggest things that I, that I see today is, is I, for, for whatever reason, Christians are expecting someone who's spiritually dead to respond godly. You ever thought about that? You ever been in Walmart or something or H-E-B and somebody's popping off and you're like, well, why are you talking to me like that? You're expecting a godly response, but they're, they're walking in sin. They're missing the mark. They haven't chosen to follow Christ. You need to be praying for them. You need to ask them, hey, what's going on? Are you all right? It's so easy for us to go, well, wait a minute. You can't talk to me that way. But you never know what somebody's going through. And, and we need to be there in long-suffering and bearing with, and, and, uh, with one another in love, keeping the unity and the, and the bond of peace. That's how we are to walk now. He said you once walked this way where your minds were, you were the enemy. But now you're a child of God. And there should be a different way that you walk. And, and so what we need to understand is like when, you're, when you have somebody who's not chosen to follow Christ, they have the spirit of Antichrist in them. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. You can keep the unity and the bond of peace. They may not be able to, but you can. You can learn to love them. But you know what? You also need to learn to love the people that are in the church and walk with them and have unity and the bond of peace with them. It's so easy for people to say, I'm taking my ball and going home. And, and, and it's, it's a reminder to us, like we are to walk with Christ. We are to walk with each other in long-suffering. We have people that are struggling with, with heavy health issues here and tests and work and things. And, and it's like we can miss it if we're just rushing in and out of here. I, I'm, I, for me, the biggest thing is, is I don't want a church that's like the church of today. I want a church where we actually do what the book of Acts says. When I read about the early church, that's what I want. I want us to be able to in, in, impact the community. I want us outside the walls of the church. But that means within the body of Christ here, we need to have that unity and the bond of peace. And we need, we need to be long-suffering with each other and, and, and willing to persevere and press on. It says the, of the course of this world... Now, I love that term because the course of this world is a picture of a stream that's going one way. And no matter how hard you swim the other direction, you get swept up in the current. And that's our culture. This is a picture of our, of our world today. It is the course of this world. And we see so many people just following the culture. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable, perfect will of God. We're not to be conformed to the work that Satan's trying to do, right? We see things that, that are affecting uh, those that are walking spiritually dead. They do it, I, I can remember, doing it unconsciously or consciously. Sometimes I would choose to do evil. I, wasn't, I didn't know God. And sometimes unconsciously I was doing it because I was following the course of this world, just like a stream. And it says, according to the prince of the power of the air. And that's a picture of Satan. And not just Satan, but the demonic angels that fell, the demons that are, are, are affecting 
the spiritual realm that impacts the physical realm. The battle that's happening. The battle that happened this morning when you didn't want to go to church. You, know, you get up and you're like, man, I'm tired. And you have this battle that's happening. And you're, you're fighting it. And there's a spiritual battle that's happening that's behind you that you have no clue of. And the enemy doesn't want you to go. But yet you came. And those things are happening all the time. I hear it all the time with people on Wednesday night. Man, I was going to come, but I don't know. I just, it's okay. I mean, I, I, we would love to have you here. But I can tell you, I watched my daughter last week. She was not, she's got a, 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 a five-month-old, six-month-old now, I think, and two little ones. And trying to get all of them corralled in the car and get to church is an amazing feat. So anybody that's here with kids that are under a year old, praise God, praise God, praise God that you got here. Because there are so many things that are going on in the spiritual realm that are trying to keep you from coming. But if it wasn't for her being here that Wednesday night, we wouldn't have known about what was going on with Steve and them and that they needed Bibles. But she came. You got to get past all that stuff. And we have to remember that even though there's these battles that are happening in the spiritual realm that impact the physical realm, Jesus died, rose, and was resurrected, and, and we have victory, and he has defeated death. But that does not mean that the devil is still not trying to establish his, his kingdom here and rebel against God. And we know that, that that happens in Luke chapter 4, verses 5 and 7, when when uh, the devil was speaking to Jesus, says, Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I, I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me. And I give to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you uh, will worship before me, all will be yours. Well, how did Satan obtain this authority? Adam fell. Adam fell. It was, it, we, we, we covered that when we looked at Genesis chapter 1, and, and we, we looked at Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 28, and Adam was given dominion, and he fell, and fell into sin. Satan has it, but not anymore, because it belongs to Jesus. Jesus will return in the second coming. But you have to remember, the devil is, and it's important for you to understand your enemy, and what I mean by that is understanding your enemy is that the fact that the, the devil has limited power. He's not all-knowing. He doesn't stand outside of time. He can't be in two places at one time. He can only be one place at one time, so he has to have an antichrist for every season. That's what we don't understand. And then the last part we forget is that Jesus already defeated death. We already have victory. These things that are happening are just skirmishes. That happened after the treaty has already been signed. And the war continues in certain areas. But we know that his second coming is happening. We know that, that Satan considers himself a god, but it's a little g. A little g. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Whose minds the god of this age is blinded? Who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them? Again, he's a little G. Now, Satan has uh, wanting to have control of this present world. He wants to control ideologies and viewpoints and, and uh, psychology and, 
education and economics and politics and he's trying to work through all of those different things but the biggest thing that satan works through is false religions the murkier he can make the water right the water upstream is really clear but the more mud he can get down as it comes downstream and make people think well wait a minute i can follow this thing or i can follow that thing that's what he wants to do in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, it says, And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of life, of light. And so we know, you know, that when we look at this, it's, it's an understanding that one of the things that he wants is to, to set up apostasies, false religions. But he is the power of the air. Satan is the leader of the demons of the lower atmosphere where we live. Where the unsaved women and, and, uh, and men live. And he dictates to those demons what his desire is. He's keeping the mind of the, the air of the lower atmosphere is, is the main location where Satan rules. But we know in Revelation 16, 17, it says, Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. Understanding that there are these things that are happening and there are people that are spiritually dead just following along with Satan's plan. Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us to find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light, and you'll find it. 